This is My Take Radio's Beyond the Mic. Welcome to the newest installment of My Take Radio Beyond the Mic. Joining me in this episode is Mae Garcia, known in most circles as the Gamer Goddess. Uh, she's going to shed some light on what she's been up to in terms of her projects and also shed a little insight into the gaming industry as a whole. What's going on, May? How are you? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, of course, a lot of people just know you by by your handle as the Gamer Goddess, but We'll start with we'll start with the easiest stuff, which was how'd you get into gaming? How'd you get that moniker? And what got you into the gaming industry? Um, wow, that was like a three four parter. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the handle, um, just to be clear, because some people um, take it for what it's worth, but there are some people who um, are like, "Oh, you're referring to yourself as a goddess." This, then, the third. That's not really where it came from. Um, since well, this applies to me and my brother, but um, since we were younger, we'd play video games. And of course, you know, we'd win by skill. It's not, I'm not discrediting our skills, but um, there were moments where it's like down to the wire. And it's literally like uh, we would say the gamer gods came in and interjected. Um, <laughs> so that's really where it came from. My brother, um, he refers to himself as like Zeus on his tags, not because he thinks he's holier than now or better than anybody, but it was kind of that kind of joke. And instead of me going the Aphrodite, because that doesn't really roll off the tongue exactly. Right. Um, I, gamer goddess just kind of flowed. So nice. At least at least it's relevant to something from your past versus something that somebody just came up with that was catchy. Yeah. No. That's yeah. It's definitely not how it came. It's definitely not how it came about. But I know some. There are a few people who have asked me like, "Oh, self praising." No, that's not really it. Although I do think highly of myself because I've accomplished a lot. So I'd say I'm a goddess within my own right as a woman, but yeah. that's not where it came from. That's not at all where it came from. Well, anybody that, that sits around and, and knocks you for not being confident in yourself is uh, definitely a little sketchy. Yeah, you totally. should be You should be acknowledging yourself as the best in everything you do. Even if you're a homeless guy, you got to be the best homeless guy <laughs> in the game. So I get the best, uh, I got the best shake on the train. Yeah, something. Yeah. You got to definitely like love yourself, so definitely. All right, so um, gaming from your childhood, so that 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 kind of got the ball rolling, right? Um, wow, how I got into the industry. Um, do you mean as far as um, just being on the beat, or do you mean like as a game producer? A little of both, and because most people they play games, they play games. They don't really turn it into a career. You kind of you know went full circle. You played it. You were a fan, and then you just involved yourself in the industry. What kind of pushed you in that direction? Um, first on the beat and then we'll get into the production side. Well, it's funny because like uh, production was first. Really? Yeah. Oh it, shit. I did it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> it really, um, it's, I'm an artist. 
Um, so while I was in college, I was actually working for a clothing company and I hated it. I had like uh, stomach ulcers like every day because the fashion industry is ridiculous. Um, you have to really be built for it. Um, and I wasn't. And I was, I was finding myself too stressed out at like 20 years old. Like it made no sense. Um, so they were at the time they were moving um, a lot of stuff overseas because, you know, it's cheaper in um, foreign countries to develop the clothing. So they were handing out um, layoffs, and I volunteered to be laid off. <laughs> wow. I'm not even joking. I volunteered. But plus, I got a severance package, you know. Oh, that's all they good. Slid, they slide you off a little money. So <laughs> I volunteered to be laid off, and my boss was a little surprised, and he said, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, you know what? I said, I'm going to make video games. And that's he, great. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he took. I'm sure he took me for my word as as far as it carried, but like, at the, like who does that? Who just says like I'm gonna go do video games? So, um, what I ended up doing was um, I just was looking for a job in the industry period to kind of just get my foot in the door and figure out what I wanted to do exactly. Right. Because I wasn't sure. Um, so what I did was I found an independent games company that um, they were hiring QA testers. So I took a twenty-five thousand dollar pay cut just to be a, t- a game tester. Um, and then from there on, it's like, uh, I did a lot of research and a lot of, um, smaller jobs. So like I was a production assistant for a while. Um, I did graphic art for a while and then I saw the opening, um, at Nickelodeon for an associate game producer and it was right up my alley and you know, the stars aligned and they hired me and I've been there for going on almost five, six years. Wow. That's that's pretty good. I mean, a lot of people, they go, they get into the game industry and they get burned out because they're not acclimated to the fact that you need to start at the bottom. I mean, yeah. I commend you for, 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 for taking the loss and, and going into going into it as a tester because you really took it from, from the bottom level, yeah, which not a lot of people really do. It was really just being hungry. It was, it was really just being hungry because if I wasn't, I, I wouldn't have like, basically put myself right from square one to do it, so... When when you were testing, what was the hardest aspect? Was it more finding all the bugs and then trying to list them all out, or was it just the hours? Or oh, it was the repetition. Ah. Oh my god! Like <laughs> it was, it was so, it was so awful. Um, even if the game was good, it's not even that. But if the it, even if the game was good, playing one game every day for months straight was torture torture i i looked forward to um lunch like every day <laughs> particularly because i was the only girl so um a lot of i had like a lot of like big brother types there right and um uh, that's actually where i first learned to play counter-strike Ooh. and where i first learned how to play tekken which is one of like the games i'm best at to this day oh nice little name drop of counter-strike <laughs> <laughs> counter-strike tekken and um, yeah, I mean, because I, I I was a gamer in general, but I had never really gotten into Tekken. I was more of a two D fighter person at the time, mm-hmm. so they introduced me to that. And what's funny is, you know, when you first get on, you you're not really familiar with how to play, especially if you're into two D fighting. It's a different concept doing three right. D fighter. Um, but you know, the student became the master, and I ended up whooping everybody there. So that's what's up. It's good. And then from from there, you you went up to production assistant next in the same company, or did you just make a move to another company after that? I made a move to another company. They offered me the the QA comp the company I was QAing with QAing with excuse me, um, offered me a lead 
tester position, but that's not what I wanted because that wasn't the avenue I was trying to take. Right. So I applied with another um, independent game company and became a production assistant. Nice. And then I, from there, I became a graphic artist for VH1. Oh, very nice. How was and that? How was the experience with VH1? It was cool. Um, VH1, um, like most Viacom companies, how they represent themselves on their channel is really how they are. So VH1 <laughs> was just very cool. No, I'm, I'm very serious. I don't know if everybody, every company is like that, but my company actually is like that. Um, you know, Viacom consists of um, BET, Nickelodeon, um, MTV, VH1, et cetera, et cetera. They really are like that. So, like, VH1 was very cool. Um, a lot of the, like, a lot of the comedians you see on the Guy Code. I don't know. Do you watch that show? Yeah, I watch, I watch the show. Guy Code. Okay. I don't know if I should be watching Guy Code, but I do watch Guy Code because I think it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so, like, a lot of the comedians you see there, I've seen in the offices at VH1 just walking around. Like, it's, it's really chill. Nice. Do you get to see, um, I usually like watching the, you know, the weekend, the weekend programming or, you know, I watch a lot of wrestling, so... Like Chris um, Jericho pops up on VH1, so. See, that's the thing, though, with um, with Viacom companies in general, like Nickelodeon, VH1, et cetera. Um, we're on the West End, East Coast, so the East Coast normally doesn't get like high celeb profile people. <laughs> <laughs> we normally get like the locals and stuff like that. Um, all the all the good stuff is on the West Coast. The animation studios, all that stuff. How often do you did did you have did you travel out to the West Coast, or are you primarily East Coast based for that? Oh, no. For what I do, East Coast. Oh, I, I don't okay. need to um, travel out there for it. I've been to the offices out there, but I, no, I don't need to do it for what I'm doing. Nice. We're, um, when doing the production assistant work, the, what, what, is the, what goes into that? Like, what's the background for that? Just for people that are looking to kind of get into the industry and they can find some direction. Um, so I would definitely say start, say start out um, QA if you can. Um, production assistant is glorified QA. So basically you're not just testing builds. You're also, um, doing more grunt. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like creating spread. Like, I mean, because I had an art background, I did a little more, but you're still testing basically, um, you know, logging bugs and all that, but you have a lot of like the back end stuff depending on where you're working. So the company I worked for as a production assistant did web games. Oh, okay. So, um, I did. I worked on a lot of the back end stuff as far as like putting the games up or submitting builds, um, creating like documents for it. I also worked on some of the graphics in the games, so like Photoshop, Illustrator, things like that. But but it's grunt work basically, uh, because usually like the main artists and main programmers and stuff are bit too busy to do certain things. So production assistant usually does it. Well, now of course you mentioned you you work with Nickelodeon. Being involved in that. In that atmosphere, does it make your job more fulfilling? You know, just um, because you're creating something for kids and you're kind of get, oh, giving them a first look at things that may shape their childhoods. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, I had some hesitation in that. <laughs> the, no, because the reason why is because it, like, initially, because don't get me wrong, I see kids enjoy my games. I see kids. I see kids review my games. It's so funny. I see they'll create something on YouTube where they'll record (laughs) their screen. Yeah, they'll record the screen and they'll play my game and they'll talk about how much they love it and things like that. Like, great. Um, Of course, they don't know I did it, but I still still feed on that and I love it. But honestly, when I first um, got to Nickelodeon, the 
the big thing for me was I grew up on it. Yeah. So to actually, to actually, like, I was never really a Disney person. I was more of a Nickelodeon kid. So, so was to I. actually, <laughs> to actually work, you know, at the place where, like, I, I was dedicated to the channel. It was amazing. Then everything else with me spreading the word and reaching out to the younger kids came afterwards. That's why I hesitated at first because it wasn't my initial thing. My initial thing was just self gratification, like, oh. <gasps> I wonder if I'm going to get slimed like that. Kind of thing. So <laughs> did you, did you, did you ask that at any point? Like, Hey, can I get slimed at some point? I did. I did. But they don't slime in New York. Like Aww. I said, it sucks. They don't slime in New York. It's all West coast stuff. So Damn. I'm waiting to be slimed to this day. That's a, so. that's a, that's an awesome gig. I, I fall into that. I was, I was a Nickelodeon kid, you know, Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's modern life. Totally. All, um, you know, hey Arnold, Doug, Doug, definitely a lot of Doug. Doug uh, rats. Rugrats in my house. Um, my two sisters they watched um, Eureka's Castle was big in my oh, house. I remember Eureka's Castle. Yeah, Maya, I didn't watch it, but I remember it. Maya the Bee. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't even remember that one. But yeah, Maya, Maya the Bee came on at um at twelve o'clock. I mean, my my oldest sister she has autism, so Nickelodeon was her was her gateway, her so, go to. Yeah, totally. So, That's yeah, cool. So, so she watched. You know, at twelve o'clock, I'd be at home and. It'd go right to Nickelodeon. You see this beef floating around with this Dora the Explorer haircut. I'm like, oh, oh. Well, now you know. Yeah, exactly. I know where it all <laughs> came from. Where it translated to exactly. Dora's mm. like Queen B now. Yeah, a lot of people are. She, um, I, a lot of her games continue to sell, even though most of them are are so just educational. I always see people just run in, they buy all of them because you know they they price them, they price them pretty good. You see some lady online in Target with every game yeah. they have. Yeah, I've seen that. It's it's the brand. I mean, because you're, I mean, your kids identify with the character less than everything else. It, it's really the character selling it. I've seen kids walk into supermarket and see two things with Campbell's soup. One is the regular one, and one has Dora on it. They don't want the regular soup. They want the one with Dora on it. Although they're exactly the same. Of course. Now, creating so many games, I know that you know you worked on on a, on the Power Rangers game. You got an award for that. And, yes, um, yes, I did. Congratulations for that. Thank I you. am a huge Power Rangers mark, so I have uh, some questions about you working on that game. Well, well what uh, what version of Power Rangers is that? Um, all of them. I've been. Wa- I still watch it now as a grown ass man. Embarrassing, isn't it? Don't tell anyone. Uh, it's not embarrassing. Wait, <laughs> do you mean do you, do you mean our uh, our Super Samurai? All of them. I watch Super Samurai. It's not as good as some of the older ones, but I watch it every DVR every Saturday at twelve o'clock. It DVRs nice. on my box. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy a, to make that happen then. Yeah, I'm 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 big into that. I mean, I grew up watching it from from the original ones coming home during the junior high days, and then it just I ended up watching it just because you know I'm a huge martial arts buff, so watching all that stuff, and then even You're now, about Mighty Morphin, right? Yeah, I started with Mighty oh, Morphin and all the way up. I actually had um Steve Steve Cardenas on the show. He was a Red Ranger in one of the original ones. Yeah, yeah, I I remember him. He was the second Red Ranger. Yep, I remember. He is ah, a yoga that's instructor. Really, that's taking me back. My brain just exploded. Yeah, he's a he's a yoga instructor and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor as well. Yeah, most of them really had roots in martial arts. Yep. The the green one, he fights in MMA. He fights in Muay Thai and MMA. Uh right. What's his name? Jason Frank. Yep. He's right? on he's on my uh he's on my to-do list as for for potential guests. So Oh, nice. See, huge huge fanboy action. So I'm glad you are part of something that kind of shaped me growing up. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I was, I, 
I mean, to this day, I'm still like a big Power Rangers fan, but like, I loved Mighty Morphin. I mean, I was a kid and it was, I don't know, it was, it was, there was nothing else like it at the time. Um, and the kids had such a nice relationship and like everything was great. So I used to run home and watch it. Um, or they used to like try to record it for me, old school, uh, VHS style. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what I, end, what I ended up doing was, um, uh, basically trying to put some of my roots in my original, like love of Power Rangers into, into the new game. So nice. although it's Samurai, there's a lot of um, kind of NES and Super NES, like Mighty Morphin Roots in it. Oh, nice. Yeah, the Super NES game was... Pro- well, they did a, a fighting game for Super NES, which I chased down forever to get my hands on because it was, you know, you, you'd fight as only the Zords and it played Street Fighter style 2D. Yes, yes. That's cool then to see, to see that influence in, in that. Yeah, that, that's totally actually um, a part of the game, uh, the original game that uh, won. Because I ended up making a second part to it. But um, the original game that won had Zord, Zord battling at the end. Oh, nice. Like you had, you had to finish the fight all the way. So like you start as a ranger and you go through the level. And then at the end, like you had to battle with the uh, Megazord. Oh, kids must have gone crazy for that. They still do. It's, I mean, the game like really does well. Uh, almost two years later, and it still really, really does well. And um, the award came through for it. And then part two um, is typically number one on our site. Wow. Even over SpongeBob, which is like he's, yeah, he's, so, me, Spon- he's like King Dingling. So. Yeah, SpongeBob is, is God for Nickelodeon. <laughs> I mean, I, I know grown-ass adults, including like my father-in-law, that watch SpongeBob. So <laughs> yeah, no, he's huge. He's huge. So it was pretty surprising to see, you know, a Power Rangers game beat it, beat him for such a long time. Well, th- being involved in in that aspect of the gaming industry and starting from the bottom, of course, now you're you're seen front and center. You know, you do all these events and stuff. How how did you adjust to just saying, "Hey, I'm going to E3 this week"? Like, how was your first E3 experience? And you know, break break that down because the. Uh, the first E three experience, of course, you say to yourself, "Damn, I'm gonna go play all these games," and you know, <laughs> then then you get there and reality kind of sinks in. Yeah, no, my my first E three, I think I was shaking at certain points because I was just so exhausted. Um, well, as far as like the events and um, me being like just like on the beat, it's it's actually I keep it separate from what I do at Nickelodeon. Um, it's more indie. What I really get out of it and what I really try to do when I go to these events and things like that is um, soak up any new technology, um, have my brain kind of opened up by other people's creativity. So, like, I've, I, like I get a lot of inspiration. You're a sponge. As far as, <laughs> I, am, I am a sponge. There you uh, go. Look where I get it from, though. But um, <laughs> I get a lot of my inspiration. Like, I'm, I'm inspired by seeing other people be so creative. So with these events or with PAX or with E3, when I go and, and I see things that like blow my mind, like I just I, I get so excited. It makes me want to like create more content. And, and in my job position, um, I'm constantly being juiced and squeezed for creative content. So I kind of need to be like refreshed once in a while. What was the what was the game that that blew your mind at your first E3 or the first IP that you saw that you saw it and you were just like, holy crap, this is this is the future unfolding in front of me. Oh, my God. The first one? Um, I don't even know because I was so 
my brain exploded my first E3. I guess I was shaking. I needed, I wasn't drinking enough water. It was like bad. It was like a bad time in regards to like physically, but, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I know, I know, um, let me see. I can't even remember what my, I remember the most recent one that kind of, okay, so let's go with, let's go with that. Okay, because uh, I was going to say, that was like three years ago, dude. I can't remember what the first <laughs> one was. Um, recently, um, the Ubisoft title, for some reason, that's um, escaping me, where um, it's not, no. It's it's the one where he's like reading people's profiles, like that whole scanning. Oh, okay, yeah, I know, I know what you're reason, talking about. For some reason, I can't about. remember the title. Nope, I know what you're talking about, because I saw a video for it on game trailers, and I'm like, wow, that's really weird. <laughs> yeah, I was I was there. I was there at Ubisoft when they were displaying. For some reason, I can't remember the name, but it it blew my mind. And I think it's because um, Ubisoft took it there, because all that is absolutely possible. Right. But they're the, they're the first to actually recognize it and like monopolize on it. Because you know you always have these games like um, Fallout or um, similar similar styled games where yeah you can hack a machine. Right. When the whole game becomes just attacking people digitally, like their personal information, like one guy, uh, one girl, like they, she had like overdue library books. The next guy had AIDS. It was like crazy. I was sitting in the theater with my mouth open, like, that's a, why didn't I think of that? Like, holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Going into that, going into that level of, of detail for a game is, is definitely eye opening. I mean, I've, most of the stuff, most of the stuff we've done, like I've done Comic Con mostly. And mm-hmm. you know we play some of the new some of the new games there, and sometimes I see some stuff, and I'm like, "Holy cow!" Yeah, totally, totally. An- another another one this year, um, Spirit Camera on the uh, 3ds. Really, I didn't hear about that one. What's up? What's the deal with that? Because my sister has a 3ds, so so it's 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 scary. I don't know how old your sister. <laughs> it's creepy. So it's I'm not saying it's game of the year. Absolutely not. But um, I like again. I, I like people who are innovative or like projects that are innovative and creative and nintendo definitely stepped outside of the box with um licensing this this basically the pamphlet is almost like a a ghost story right that kind of pulls you in and you actually see ghosts all around you and it's like not cheesy it's not like luigi's mansion where it's really cute it's um it's creepy it's scary it uses Um, augmented reality yes oh very nice um but in, in in a great way and i i felt like it was it was a Really nice attempt, especially at aging it up, um, because you know Nintendo's so synonymous with being only for kids or only for families. I was pretty impressed by that. Well, you know the the funny thing, and since you bring up Nintendo, and I figured I would I would ask, um, in all the in all the E threes that you've been to, and most of the titles that you've seen, do you feel that Nintendo still can consistently wow audiences, or are they still too enamored with first party? Like, is Spirit Camera a first party or a third party title? Third party. Really? Third party. Um, I see what you're saying, though. Um, I, f- I don't feel like Nintendo has always been that way. I feel like this E3 is pretty strange, um, simply because I a lot of the titles kind of got, um, I don't know, I got force-fed a lot of the titles because I kept hearing them all weekend. Well, all weekend. Oh, okay. So it was like, I heard them at the Ubisoft conference, I heard them at another conference, then you hear them again at the Nintendo conference, and it loses that impact. Right. Um, but like the zombie game that they have, like I'm, I, I am a big zombie person, so like I was floored, and that's all I wanted to like play and experience at E3 for like two hours. 
Um, but Nintendo, you know, they are enamored with, with Mario, with themselves a bit. But, I mean, but why not? I mean, the world kind of is. I, I just feel like um, older older gamers are just a bit jaded because we've, we've had, I mean, he's been a, a big uh, presence in the gaming industry forever. And, you know, at a certain point, you, you kind of get a little tired, a little sick of him. But then he goes away and he comes back and you feel good again. It's kind of one of those things. Oh, it's a, it's a love-hate relationship. I mean, I'm, yeah, totally. I've done ample, ample episodes where I go on complete diatribes about <laughs> what, my frustration with Nintendo as a company because I've always felt that they have the potential to really innovate the industry to the point where they can put everybody else to shame because these guys came after them. Yes. So it's like, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't play third banana to 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 PlayStation or you shouldn't play, you know, second fiddle to to Apple even, I you agree. know, on the handheld market. It's like you guys created this. You guys are the are the leaders of this generation, but they, pion- they pioneered it. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, I always feel like they 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 love cranking out, you know, the Mario's, the Donkey Kong's and all that, but they don't they don't take risks anymore. Well, I mean, I feel like Zombie U, although it's third party, was risky of them to kind of uh, open up with, and that's that's a Wii U or a DS title, the the Zombie it's Wii U. U. Oh, Zombies. nice Wii U. Um, and it's you get a chance to check it out. It's it's pretty amazing. I played it, and um, I was pretty happy about it. Were you and using the tablet? Yeah. Oh, it's it's nice. it's almost it's your backpack almost in a way. So like everything you ever need is there, um, nice. and it was very real time. Like. Just because you're picking up equipment doesn't mean you won't get attacked by a zombie. Um, just because it's laying dead on the floor doesn't mean it won't get up and uh, chew your face off. And if you happen to die, um, well, you get one chance. So if you if you get bitten, um, there's one antidote. But it's not like Resident Evil where you could just keep mixing antidotes. Like, no. <laughs> you get one bite. You can recover from that one bite with that one antidote. But after that, you're done. And uh, you can't really fight them off. So the experience, it's funny because the experience can be over really fast. Like I died within the first 15 minutes. Wow. And then it tells you that uh, how long you survived. And then when you come back into the game, you see yourself as a zombie. Oh, shit. So it's <laughs> That's so I, insane. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. That's insane. How, how, the, the Wii U, I'm very, very hesitant about. And it's because Nintendo uh, with the Wii, the Wii was the first console that I didn't keep to end of life. Which is the uh, first time historically. Usually, I keep consoles, especially if they're older ones. I keep them forever. Like I still play my PS2, or you know, I have my old my old Xbox modded, so I play all I the have old my stuff. Dreamcast still. Yep, I still play my 2D fighters on the Dreamcast, including all the imports <laughs> that I bought. Yeah, first. Power Stone. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you know, Nintendo to me at this point, it's like when the Wii came out, I felt so left out. Like I ended up getting Wii yeah. Fit. Maybe I think Super Mario Galaxy One, and then I just realized that I hadn't played it in like almost a year, other than to turn on Wii Fit and get yelled at, you know, like <laughs> you just yelling at me. I think I think the Wii, um, the Wii centered a lot on family and party experiences. So I mean, I had I I didn't play my Wii often. Um, I don't play my Wii often. I can't play my Wii because I burnt it out, but. At the times that I was playing it, because I had a lot of friends over, um, or my family was over, it it really was um, good for bringing people together. But as far as like those standalone experiences, PS3 and Xbox kind of had it um, down packed, especially um, in regards to connecting with other users. 
Like we was terrible at that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and I love Smash Brothers, but I had a terrible time connecting to other people trying to play. Yeah, because you had to use like the, the the long digit code and all. God, this. it's like fifty digit song, and then like you put it in, and then it doesn't even really tell you who it is. So you oh. just gotta kind of know. <laughs> so wow. I, it was really bad. So I'm hoping that um, since they have more adult titles, we will um, step that up. So because we wasn't a bad console, nope. the graphics needed to be. Uh, you know, stepped up, but it wasn't a bad console. And then there's nothing wrong with a console that brings people together to play. I think that's I think that's a great thing, especially in a time where um, we're so distant from each other as people. Like everything, nobody picks up a phone even anymore, or even walks down the block to go talk to anybody. It's all texting or IM or like we're so impersonal now. Well, it's it's funny. It's funny you say that. I'm I'm very old school. I try to make sure I have multiple face-to-face interactions every week for that reason because you can't convey emotion the same way in, in an email that you can in person absolutely absolutely so, people misread it all the time and yep. people come, become desensitized like yeah totally completely but i mean it's it's a sign of the times though it, it doesn't mean that it's um it's still happening although people know i feel like it's just gonna get worse yeah i mean there's there's especially with xbox where you can be friends with a guy in Japan that you've never met, but you play you play with the guy on on three different games. So I can definitely understand that social aspect. But it's true that we kind of brought it together where everybody came by your house. You all kind of had some chips out. Everybody right, grabbed a exactly. Wiimote. And I, I respect that. I respect what they tried to do. They just Nintendo needs to just come full circle and and still retain that. Still retain that, but also. Add in mechanics that are, you know, a little for gamers that want some alone time. I don't always want to play with everybody, so. Well, that was the thing with me. It was, um, I played it most of the times we played Wii Fit, Wii Sports, and, you know, like, first party titles, and that was it. Occasionally, um, Gamefly would send me something random that I forgot I added to my queue, and I'd be like, what is this? And sometimes it'd be the worst <laughs> things ever, because there was a lot of shovelware, you know, yeah, I, chicken yeah. shoot and... You know, the Iron <laughs> Chef game, which was god-awful. Yeah. I, I put myself through a lot of those terrible, terrible games. Their first-party titles were were the best for the Wii. I feel like Wii U is more promising for the third-party titles. Like, we, we, regular Wii didn't have as much promise. But I feel like this E3 kind of showcased that Wii U has a little more promise when it comes to, like, games that don't have Mario in it. How do you feel with... Um... The, the growth, especially um, doing stuff with Nickelodeon, have you guys started exploring more mobile gaming on a on a larger platform? Because nobody nobody gives them any credit, but it almost looks like Apple is positioning themselves to be a, the the third largest handheld gaming system with the with the with your iPod and your iPhone. You know, it, it's funny because I had this conversation or similar conversation not too long ago where. Um, I think I was at a. I think I was at a. I think they call it a mash fest. I recently just have been um, checking out these little side fighting coming together fighting game like little meetups. Yeah, things. I was gonna go. I was gonna go to mash fest because a lot of people were telling me about it. Just to to it's go from chill. Long Island to to go from Long Island to the city and try and get there on time. It's well, if you go, let me know because I, I went to another one, but that's that's off topic. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I was having a conversation with um, somebody there. And it, it was a conversation about what's considered a real gamer. And he was like, oh, I don't consider people who play um, 
games on their phone, real gamers. And I was like, well, you know, that's a mistake because they because they they are gamers. Um, of course, not hardcore gamers or gamers in the classic sense that we know it, but they're absolutely gamers. And if anything, they are gaming more than uh, traditional gamers are. Agreed. They're gaming more and they're spending more. Um, I agree. And- I mean, you know, we we um, what the hell does? My wife likes to play this, this, uh, what, Angry Birds? Oh, Angry Birds is her crack, but, um, (laughs) she had, she was playing one with like this running purple dinosaur and, um, oh, I don't think I know that. Plays it, plays it religiously. And then she started playing, uh, this other one with this penguin that you have to use the accelerometer to make him land on the iceberg. Um, Air Penguin. And then there's, I mean, Dino Dash. I mean, anything. Anything. I mean, even now, there's, you can play Dead Space on your iPad. So, They they make up now. They make up probably a larger portion of the term gamer. So if I had a little pie chart, they probably make up more of of that pie chart than traditional gamers do. I agree. So like 100%. to kind of count them out, I think is a mistake. So I mean, as far as what I've noticed um, about Apple stepping it up, absolutely. The iPad, the iPhone has it's it's a gaming console, just that- not in the traditional sense that we know it. Well, no, I, I agree, and that's one of the things I, um, a couple, I'd say six months, maybe about a year back, I had Hip Hop Gamer on, who we both know, and we were talking about the Vita, and mm-hmm. I told him, I'm like, look, man, if these guys don't come out of the gate swinging, Apple's going to sneak up on them, cut their throat, and take the number two spot. Yeah. Because Nintendo, Nintendo's always going to have it on lock, because they have, it's like when you say, I need a Kleenex. Kleenex is the brand. But it's still a tissue. It's, it's still like a you, tissue, but you, yeah, you label it as that. Absolutely. Yep. And people say, you know, I'm going to play my Game Boy. Still to this day, I know people that say, oh, I'm playing my Game Boy, even though yeah, it's a DS. So it's like Apple's going to sneak up. And I've noticed it happening with Sony where they, they came out of the gate swinging and look at all our beautiful hardware, look at all this beautiful stuff. And now, quiet. Meanwhile, they, Apple demos hard, more, you know, hardcore stuff, like you said, Dead Space and games like that. And they're like, look, this is running on a tablet. Nowhere yep. near as powerful. Absolutely. See, but that, I mean, I, I love, I love Sony. Um, like for a while it was my console of choice over Xbox. Really? Um, yeah, for a long time. Um, Why is that? Cause they had a uh, better, at the time they had a better library. Um, I felt like there was more, especially more unique titles like God of War and things like that, where, um, Xbox just, I mean, besides sports, First-person um, shooters. And, yeah, first-person shooters. <laughs> the only thing that really kept me with my Xbox was Gears. Like, I'm a big Gears fan. My brother, too, actually. He had his own little um, clan. So I call it a little clan because he's my little brother. But it was, <laughs> it was bigger than that. Um, but the problem, I feel like, with Sony is they invest so much in the hardware, which is great and amazing. PS3 came out, and it was like, forget it. It was the new crack. It was It was great. It was amazing. Um, they're sleeker, they're sexier than Xboxes. Agreed. But they never launch with a solid library. Like, why not? Why do we have to buy this the system, whether it be the Vita, the PS3, whatever? Why do we have to buy it and then wait months yep. to get a library? Like, it it doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, Nintendo, uh, although their consoles usually aren't groundbreaking, I mean, in the in the late '80s, they were groundbreaking because they had no competition. So. But as of late, they're not groundbreaking. But they launch with such a healthy library, you almost don't even care. 
I agree. They do. I mean, you know, even I I picked up a, a larger 3DS. And ah, I, I still need to get one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, pick, I picked one up for... I picked one up for my sister for her birthday, and while I was there, I got, you know, I got her the new Super Mario Brothers, because, you know, Nintendo yeah. does their weirdo Sunday release schedule, so yeah. her birth, her birthday yeah. was that Tuesday. <laughs> her birthday was that Tuesday. I'm like, damn, new games come out Tuesday, now I gotta wait, and, um, you know, I had to buy everything Sunday, but they, they, that's, the, that's the problem with Sony. Sony has great technology. I mean, the PlayStation 3, that some of them are used for, for guidance chips and in military applications, so it's it's a it's exactly. a hardcore system. I just don't but, get why they can't get games out. I I I don't know. That's my whole thing. Like, um, <clears throat> for example, people are like, "Oh, you're gonna pick up the 3ds when it first comes out?" And I was like, "Yeah," because there's gonna be titles for it. I mean, even now, like right now, um, I haven't had much time to actually play on my console because of some projects I've been working on. But you damn skippy, I'm on the train playing um, Kingdom Hearts 3D, like. And it's amazing. So, like, they, they, the supply and demand is, is there. They, they know that you have to have something to play. Otherwise, it's, it's useless. It's, you know, Kool-Aid without the sugar. Like, what are you going to do with it? Like, you'll drink it, but you're not going to like it. No, I, I agree 100%. The worst part about it is that in Nintendo's case, they put out the stuff. They got a solid library behind it. But they always shortchange themselves and sometimes even their demographic, like, the, the new 3DS dropped. Logic would dictate, hey, let's throw that second analog stick on there so you don't have to buy that ridiculous extra add-on and not right. be able to put the system in your pocket. No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to leave empty space there. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know? That's true. And that's they dropped the true. ball. You know, they dropped the ball in that regard. Like, those little things that they that they think about five, five six months down the road, like, hey, you know, maybe we should add the analog stick on there. All right, so we'll just call it the 3DS 2 and then re-release it. And then people get all pissed off and... Yeah, they're really good for that, actually. Nintendo's really good for uh, monopolizing on uh, stuff they forgot. Or maybe maybe, maybe it's on purpose. Because yeah, people but... buy it. So maybe maybe it's evil genius and not really something they forgot, but something they just want to make more money off of. How do you, as, as someone on the creative side of games, how, what are your thoughts on games being released, um, not incomplete, but where the experience can only be amplified with DLC? I mean... A lot of people were very upset with Capcom, you know, when they released yeah. Street Fighter Cross Tekken because it's like, hey, the game is complete, but we got to pay for these other characters. And I, I, I bullshitted myself like, yeah, I'm not going to buy all those characters. And I did. But um, <laughs> but it, it, you just, a, a $60 game just became an $80 game. I, I think it's unfair, on, honestly. Um, but at the same time, I can understand wanting to charge more money. A lot goes into making a game. Like I, seeing the end product, you really don't. You really think sixty dollars covers it, and like half the time it doesn't. Half the time it really doesn't. Um, for me, I think DLC for a game. It depends on on which game. Like for example, a game like Call of Duty, where um, you'll get new maps, things like that. I feel like it's worth it. Um, for a game to get to get new characters. For me, it really has to be either like an elite group of characters. So, for example, um, in the Capcom game, to get an elite group of characters, um, but not that it's necessary or detrimental to like the roster. So it's not like they gave you like a crappy roster and then they held all the good ones. Right. Like that's to me, that's unfair. Um, if they give you a healthy roster and then it's like, but guess what? We have some cool people here too. 
that you can download. I feel like that's an okay exchange. Um, but yeah, as of late, I know Capcom has been uh, kind of doing that. For me, I, I'm a big fighting game person. Big, big fighting game person. I club. actually didn't pick up... <laughs> I didn't pick up um, Street Fighter vs. Tekken. Really? How, why is that? I played it at E3 Uh-oh. before it released, and I didn't like it. Oh. Um, and I, it's hard for me to say because I pretty much like everything Capcom puts out. Yep. Um, I'm but in that I, same I, one. But I didn't like it. And then um, I'd still, at that point, I didn't shoot it down. I just said, I'm going to wait. So I waited. And when, when it was released, you know, everybody had bought it. And then two seconds later, everybody was like, oh, my God, this game's so buggy. Oh, I hate the way it plays. I was like, you know what? Uh, that's one for the good guys because I, I had the instinct that it just wasn't turning out right. It just felt wrong to me when I played it. And I was like, I'm not picking this up. But that's probably the only Capcom game I've, like, never picked up. Wow, I guess that's pretty historic. Stone, I have Rival Schools. I have, like, I have so many Capcom. Mega Man, I have so many Capcom games. But I just refused to pick that up because it felt wrong. And it turned out I was right. And I have all those little quirky DLCs. Like, I, like, I have... Um, I downloaded the, the the Femme Fatale outfits in, like, Street Fighter 4. Like, all that stupid shit. Like, it, well, I don't know if I... Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. But, like, I, I downloaded all that stuff because, like, I, lo- I love the game so much. Yep, so did like, I. I. I can't see myself purchasing something for a game that I end up hating. Just... I got suckered in with the costumes. I got suckered in with the... Especially with the costumes. Especially because, like, Akuma's one of my favorite characters. He's pretty oh, much yes. everywhere this in my amazing. house. He's everywhere in my house. So, it's like... Yeah, I gotta buy this. It's like, yeah, but do I really need to buy all these other costumes? Yes, I do. And then, you know, it, with Street Fighter Cross Tech, and I, pl- I actually got to play it at the um, Capcom Fight Club they did here in New York, and right. that's when I got my hands on it. I played. I was just like, all right, you know, it's okay. I, I really applauded what Capcom did with um, Namco's characters. They really made them look amazing. Amazing, I agree. It looked, it looked awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't think Capcom has ever had that problem with it looking like you know crappy, but. It just, it didn't play right in my hands, and I just didn't like it. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait and then see what happens. And then I passed on it, and I'm I'm not upset that I that I did. Well, you can bag so, it for like 20 bucks now off Gamefly. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I could walk into somebody's house and be like, can I take this? I'm like, yeah, go for it. The, um, uh, it for free. You acknowledged, you know, that you were a, a Tekken fan, um, switching gears a little bit. Tekken, of course, is going to do their version of the game. And I've seen some some renders of it. And you know the characters look okay, and they're 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 making a de- a, a decent go at it. Now they're saying they're delaying the game. I think till twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Yeah. H- how yeah, do you they- feel converting those guys to a three D space, especially since you since you were acknowledging the 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 change in combat? I'm excited about it. Um, for I mean, mostly because obviously I'd like it to be a great game. Um. But even even if it's not, even if I feel like it might have been a fail, like um, Street Fighter um, X Tekken, to see them in the same world on the same platform um, I, I was pretty good. So like, I'd actually like to see these 2D characters um, converted to 3D. Like, it, it makes me uh, think of Street Fighter EX. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I still play the third one. I like using yeah, uh, Super too. Skullo. Super Skullomania. <laughs> I like uh, Kira. Nice. So it, it makes me think of that. So I'm actually pretty excited about it. Well, it, it, I was always bummed because a lot of people always talked about characters missing from the Street Fighter universe, and bringing up EX is 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 a great uh, is a great point because they had so many characters. I mean, ma- minus a couple that I felt were kind of garbage, but like Garuda, Kyrie, 
those those characters it's like why aren't those guys in there and i know that there were licensing issues and stuff like that but to to go to such great lengths to to bring those characters into that universe and then to kind of shelve them i was always bummed out about that same thing with rare and killer instinct yeah absolutely or even um if if we're still referencing street fighter even third strike third strike had really unique characters in it that could have easily like uh what was the name elena uh elena she's a street fighter cross tekken for uh she's dlc Oh, she's I, DLC. But I, she, I thought she was a great, unique, like, powerful ethnic character, which is, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, so, like, I love seeing that. Yeah. So. It, I, I, I don't mind seeing it sometimes, though. I, I it, it boggles my mind. Like, wow, that's super. Like, like yeah, you got to make the Asian, the, the Chinese guy look like Bruce Lee. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, like some yeah, of that like, stuff, I'm like, yeah. come on, guys. You know, do switch it up a little bit. But it is true. Um, Street Fighter Three had... Such a unique roster. I was always shocked why they never did anything with Q. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Urian and, and the boss, you know, and set the, um, the red and blue. Fuck, what the hell was his name? Yeah, I uh, forgot his name too, but he was like ridiculously hard, by the way. Well, it was funny because I've always said that, that Seth in Street Fighter 4, I think, was the blueprint for those guys. They, they, they based him off of that because the body styles and the way they were drawn, they look very similar. Yeah, they do. And then he's also one of those bosses that are, are kind of annoying. Frustrate, Frustration-inducing. <laughs> exactly. But for me, overall, like, I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I'm, besides being into fighting games, a lot of what pulls me in is I love rich, interesting characters. Um, so, like, Guilty Gear is another one. That, like, they have a really cool character, like, roster. So all that stuff kind of pulls me in. And to see them wasted, like, kind of sucks. Yeah, Guilty Gear, I've I've purchased and downloaded practically every version of their soundtracks. So <laughs> it had, it was really good. It yeah. was really good. Actually, speaking of soundtracks, you had mentioned Killer Instinct. Um, I still have that. Remember the I think the first release came with a disc. Yep, Killer was Cuts. Was it Instinct or Killer Instinct Two? I don't uh, it was with Killer Instinct, and the CD was Killer Cuts, which is actually on my iPod. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I thought, and I can I can still sing the Orchid song. Yep, they, I, that's I that's there. I, I can still do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I was always bummed because you know they 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 lost such a great license with that. They could have had so so much so much fun with it, especially now with Xbox Live and stuff, and just going crazy like, oh my god, look at this one hundred hit combo, and you know streaming yeah. it. Combo breaker, that kind of business. Oh yeah. yeah, people people still I know ask for it. I have, but I doubt we'll be seeing that anytime soon. Sadly. Well, we took a, a little trip down the rabbit hole. I wanted to <laughs> get <laughs> Sorry it. Sorry about that. No, no, no. It's it's fine. It, it it helps flesh things out, and it just allows people to connect on a different level. Um, I did want to ask about being involved in the industry. Also, what you were saying on the beat and mm-hmm. the just the the camaraderie in the in the industry, and also some of the hardships that that get experienced. How is how has it been for you just being in the industry as a whole? I know um, we were at an event you and I, and we were kind of joking about that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, just just shed a little light on it in terms of just being in the industry and that camaraderie, but also kind of like what offsets it? What are, what are some hardships you've experienced? What don't you like? For me, the major thing is um, basically an indie versus um, someone more established. I've noticed there's been a lot of, uh, or I noticed there's just a lot of prejudice there and not so much in between the actual community of like journalists and things like that. Cause everyone's fairly nice and friendly and hanging out with each other. Like it's not really that, but it's the way PR treats you. So I can um, agree. 
there's there's a lot of shadiness that if basically you can't scratch their back the way they want to, they will not scratch yours. Um, I personally don't really experience that because half the time they find out where I'm from. Mm. But people very close to me experience it right in front of my face, and I've seen it. And I think it's rough because um, just because a website is not, you know, Kotaku or IGN doesn't mean that they don't have a fan base. And then in reality, um, with all these indie websites, we tend to share a fan base. Agreed. So, um, you know, okay, one site, maybe they get um, 10000 a month. Maybe another site gets 5000 But half the time, everybody's redirecting to everybody else because that's just how the indies are. And right. it, it, it's a big, it's a broad fan base. Just PR doesn't recognize it like that. Yeah, I mean, we've, we, we've had our, our fair share, and not, not to go into into crazy details but i mean we ju- just recently with um with thq we've had we did some stuff with the guys from darksiders and those guys have been ride or die with us awesome. from the, our first episode they were on our hundredth episode and just recently to help us celebrate 150 and it was funny because we were joking about it and i was like hey you know you guys you know you guys love coming on we love having you on everybody loves you and um I was like, THQ didn't even send me the game to try it out. And they were like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it didn't send me the game. And, it, and it's like, I'm a, I, I rely on the fact that anybody who sends us stuff, usually we return it. Right. So I'm like, it's like, it's like I didn't even want to keep the game. I would have gone right. and spent 60 bucks for the game, but just for, for the press, for the, for the mainstream audience that we have, it's like they would have welcomed that. And so we, were, we had a good laugh. And he's like, yeah, I can, I can imagine the frustration. And I'm like, I'm surprised that, you know, we were able to pull the strings to get you back on. And he and they were laughing because I'm like, yeah, I've been chasing your community manager down. And, you know, I'm, me and that guy are going to have words. So I, I can huh, I can. Serious. It gets like that. Like, yeah. And exactly. I, it's crazy. So I, I, can, I can understand 100 percent. And it's bad because it's like at the end of the day, all indie journalists want to do is give you press. Yep. And And mind you exposure good or bad exposure is exposure yep. and honestly it's priceless so if you have to send somebody a 20 40 60 game for something that normally costs upwards in the thousands um i, I don't i don't see what the big issue is i can i can you know respect I mean? no i can respect that 100 percent. i mean it's it's a small price to pay any kind of press is always good press even even your bad press because you know what in a, in the era of, of search engines and search engine optimization, trying to be seen, exactly. all, all of that matters, good or bad. Exactly, absolutely. It, that's why I said good or bad exposure is exposure. I mean, look at uh, reality TV, good or bad. Like you're, it's your fifteen minutes of fame. So why not try to monopolize on that instead of um, being so fishy about it? I I, I agree. Wholeheartedly. And, and that's that's my that's my that's my major thing because I've seen people I care about like get basically the shaft um probably the second thing about the b and, and like i i love so many people in this industry because everyone's been so great to me um you you do come across and not so many people as far as like journalists per se um but you do come across viewers or uh, fans of the site or etc that they for me being a female They'll see me on something and they'll think I'm all fluff, basically. Yeah. That um, then I'm gonna name drop Pac-Man and that's you know and Super Mario Two and that's all I'm really good for. Well, I'm glad you went down this path. I'm glad you went down this path because that was my next line of questioning. So proceed. (laughs) But I mean, and I don't know what it's like for every girl. Um, 
but I know what it, it's it, know what it's like at times for me. So half the time I end up proving myself without really wanting or trying to necessarily, because um, I feel like I shouldn't have to. Agree. But right, but you know, I mean, the world is what it is. Um, most people judge you by your cover, and I mean, and agreeably, I don't really look like a gamer. I remember, um, you know, Torrance. I know of him. I don't know him personally, but I do know him. Knew know of him and his body of work. Okay, so um, well, Torrance, um, we had ran into each other at E3, and I was taking a break in the media room, and I had on a dress. Now, most people don't wear just to, you know, a little sundress to uh, E3. So he goes, um, and him and I are super tight. And he goes, you know, I love you. And I was like, I love you too. And then he's like, why don't you dress like a gamer? And I was like, what does a gamer dress like? <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? I was like, am I supposed to, um, am I supposed to wear like funny little t-shirts with like exactly up jeans and like dye my hair black? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, you know, like what, what does a gamer girl really dress like? This is this is this is who I am. I really I like dressing up. I like being pretty. I, I love all these things, but that doesn't make me less of a gamer. Um, and not that he not that he thought that. He never thinks that because he knows how much of a gamer I am. Right. But just it's funny for him to say, "Why don't you dress like a gamer?" Um, because it's true. A lot of people look at me and just don't think I'm a gamer until they meet me and then get to know me. Half the time, if I'm hanging with a crew, they think I'm somebody's girlfriend, ah. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just somebody's arm candy half the time. So. Oh, but it, you know what? People get you know presently, uh, pleasantly surprised when they find out otherwise. So well, it's 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 funny we you you, you brought it like I said to that because I was going to ask you about just gender and and labeling, especially in the gaming industry, because there's there's a misnomer where you got to be out of shape, uh, yeah, gamer shirt, gamer t shirts. You don't come face. out. Of, you don't come out of your house, uh, pimply face. Yes, and <laughs> you know. It, it, it's it's very very detrimental just to the image of, of of gamers and even gaming media because if you don't fit that stereotype on on one end, then nobody takes you seriously as a gamer. But even from from the 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 side of a news outlet, you go in there and you don't look like you know you don't have a Mario T shirt on, and and mm. they look at you and you're like they're like where are you from? Because yeah, you exactly. don't fall you don't fall into that that category i mean you and i have met face to face i don't i don't fit the gamer the the quote-unquote stereotypical gamer guy look you know i go in there with tims and jeans i want to look clean i want to look nice but i it's it's terrible that the labeling has gone so far including girl gamer which a lot of people clown that that entire genre that they've that they've created out of it i i agree i agree and it's funny because like i don't even like saying i'm a girl gamer nope you're just a gamer i'm a gamer that happens to be a girl um that happens to be a very uh princessy type girl but that's just that's just me that doesn't mean i sit and play barbie makeup on nope. the ds like I, i'm not doing that i never did that that never was me um i just happen to like to take care of myself so like i said i don't know what every girl experiences because like i have i know plenty of girls who dress the typical gamer way but it's not because they want to dress like a gamer that's just how they dress right but I've seen I've seen them more readily accepted as being a gamer, but at the same time they they they're under the same stress where it's like, um, okay, you're a gamer, but you're probably not good. Or if they are good, then you know they get called nasty names. Like you can't win. You can't win for losing. I guess. No, um, you, you, that that's a that's a good way to put it because I've seen I've seen instances where you know there there are young ladies that 
that they use that to their advantage to game the industry. Which, you know, sometimes sometimes you gotta you gotta play that game to move forward, but there's a there's a tactful way to do it. You know, you Absolutely. don't have to you don't have to go in there, you know, in a in a in Pokemon ears and a yellow bikini to be taken <laughs> seriously. You can just as easily use your use your skill set or your knowledge of the industry to move forward. And I think that it works both ways in that regard where the the good get typecast with the bad. Yeah, I feel like we all get um, grouped in. Like, I'm sure guys experience a, a degree of that. Like you said, you don't dress like a typical gamer. Um, but I still feel it's easier to turn over and say, well, you know, he's wearing Tim's, he's clean, but I believe it. I believe he games. Yeah, As well, opposed to, like, mm-hmm. walking in, I have, like, pink manicured toes and man is curly. <laughs> and, and, they're, and they're just like, uh, whose girlfriend is this? Or how can I holler at her? Because she just must be here just... Uh, you know, just or you work in a booth, be a, a groupie, or you work or, in a booth, or, or I'm a booth babe, just like on a break or something, yeah, and, and that kind of kills it because it's like you know, if you talk to me, I, I, I'm knowledgeable about my craft. I'm I'm a gamer. I'm a game producer. Like I live, eat, sleep, and you know what? This whole you know what I mean industry. So, um, it's kind of sad to get typecast that way. Well, but at the end of the day, though, once. If a person chooses to reach out to get to know me, I find that I build better relationships because of that shock factor, because they didn't they didn't know who I was and they reached out and then they're more um, inclined to be uh, impressed by the fact that I've taken it there and, and I don't look like a typical gamer. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's how it has to be, I think, in general. And I've I've cited this before. At the end of the day, it's just there's no gender. There's no demographic. It's just no. the gaming industry, but the problem is that some people just feel more comfortable being part of the of the sh- of the subgenre. Like there was an article um, about two weeks ago, they were talking about uh, the the rise in in gay gamer websites and right. that, and journalism in that regard. And of course, you know people people had their pros and cons, and they had negative things to say about it. But it's like if you're wearing that on your sleeve from the outset then you kind of have to be prepared for what comes with it. It's what you were saying. If you, if you try and get into this industry using that moniker or that, that uh, stereotype to move ahead, you got to be ready for what comes with it. And at the end of the day, going back to what I was saying, it's like, you should just be addressed as a gamer. Like, I understand that you want to make that your niche and that's good because there's, there's money to be made there or there's exposure to be made, but you got to be ready for what comes with it. You do, and you have to have a strong personality. Like I, like I said, me being how I am, how I dress, how I look—that was me before I, I, you know, me. I hit the the indie industry, but um, people don't know that. People assume that you know. Some people assume that I got girly or got really cute, you know, for the videos that I did. About no, I always look like that, and you see me a few times. I always look like that. It's not something I just want to do when I'm on camera. Yep. So like I remember I did I had a video, um, and my shirt was a little low cut, not not like crazy. It was a little low cut, um, which my shirts typically are. And then um, well, you're a girl. Like, I'm a girl, exactly. <laughs> I'm not gonna wear a turtleneck in the middle of summer. Right. Um, and one of the comments was. Um, about my breasts and how oh they must be fake. No, they're not. But why is that even up for discussion? Right, that's we're the not, problem. This wasn't this wasn't the plastic surgery segment. It was like we were, we were talking about games. So that 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 really is kind of messed up. And especially now, going back to what you were saying, just 
the the web generation, the YouTube generation, people hide so easily yes. behind it that it's easy. Oh, you know, X ghost seven, six, three, four, two, four said, you know, I, her, her, she's wearing a weave. And it's like, really, dude, you took your entire time watching this video. And that's all you say can that. say. Like, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's a terrible it's, it's a double edged sword in that regard. I absolutely agree. Yeah, because like you reach more people, but at the same time, you reach more idiots that are it's it's that are waste of of technological space there you basically go. well to wrap things up i know you you just launched your tmnt digital comics for those that don't know those initials that's teenage mutant ninja turtles and um i know that that's kind of being kept under wraps but besides that what what else do you got do you have coming out on the pipe that can be discussed well publicly? um so actually the first comic launched the other f- Five are under wraps, but the first one launched, so that one can actually be checked out. Um, it's working. Yeah, they it's find that? every yeah, it's a it's a work in progress. It's going to be um, every Friday up until the launch of the actual show. So that's been taking up most of my time. Um, I actually worked on my first console game. Ooh, very nice. Um, right, it's but because I actually work for Nickelodeon, it's a kids game. So not something that every gamer is going to appreciate. And it's actually, um, it's a girl property of ours called the Winx Club. Oh, I've seen that with the fairies. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny that I, that that's like the first game I do. And then, <laughs> and then me trying to fight the stereotype of it's girls fitting. Only playing girl again. It's, it is fitting. It's ironically fitting. Um, but uh, I still did my best to make the game A, enjoyable and B, enjoyable for little girls. Okay. Um, I didn't want to shove action and adventure down their throat, especially with this property, if I felt like it wasn't going to work out. And uh, so I didn't do that. But um, it just got approved by Nintendo of America. So, um, yeah, I'm excited because it'll be out um, in November. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. And that's that. I mean, although I've produced, sheesh, upward of 100 games for Nick.com, um, this is my first like uh, AAA title, so it's pretty exciting. Oh, I'm sure you're pumped for that. Are you, are you guys gonna do any, um, you know, events for that, like Nintendo Store events or uh, Toys R Us events? No idea. I know that. I know they have um, pretty much what what a lot of games are doing now. Like if you pre-order, you get like something special. Right. So if you pre-order, you get like a one of three, depending on where you pre-order from, you get one of three of these like special outfits for your for your uh, Wings Fairy, your avatar. So pretty cute stuff I picked out. So did you? Um, it's funny you mentioned that with the pre-orders. Do you have any say in how that works? Like what store gets a pre-order or how they I do don't. that? Oh, you don't. I don't. Okay. I don't. Um, it's all marketing. With a big company like Nickelodeon, it's going to be that way. I don't know how it is um, with a smaller you know, more concentrated company, but uh, with a big company like Nickelodeon, it's marketing dictates that. They let you have creative control. So I had creative control of what was being pre-released. Um, I had creative control over the entire game, the concept, you know, things like that. But as far as like marketing tools, like pre-ordering, no. They they told me. <laughs> it's gonna. So we're doing this. And I was like, okay. And then they showed me the outfits. And I was like, I hate all of them. I said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, I no, I, I kid you not. I said, and, you know, being a girl and then a dressy girl, of course, I'm going to have a strong opinion about it. Um, so they showed me all three. And I was like, I hate, I hate all three of them. And then, you know, we were actually pretty crunched for time. So I was like, no, do this, this, and this. And, you know, after a few, like, 
whines about it. They, uh, <laughs> they did it. So I, I just didn't want to like have that out. They looked so ugly to me at the time. So I'm, I'm glad I, you know, not everything is worth fighting for, but I feel like, come on, it's, it's, it's pre-order content. You want it to be worth it. So. Yeah. That's that. That's the toughest part, especially when, when you're trying to even decide to pre-order. I, I rarely pre-order, um, mostly cause I hate GameStop. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I have a, a very hateful relationship with them, but that's besides the point. I mean, most times the, the DLC comes out down the road. Very, very rarely do I pre-order. So it's good that you fought for that because there may, there may be a little girl that wants that particular outfit in that particular store. And if, and if it doesn't look good, then that company is going to lose revenue on a pre-order because the, the girl's not going to be inclined to, to get the game. And that's that's really where my inspiration was, knowing how I am about pre-orders. I really don't pre-order either. Um, don't, I, it really has to be something worth it. So, like, I pre-ordered um, Mortal Kombat. Okay. The recent one, 9. For Freddy Krueger? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, although I didn't do the Freddy Krueger on DLC. I wanted it because it had those uh, kick-ass Scorpion and Sub-Zero bookends. Oh, you got the one with the bookends. Yeah, I did. And they are right in my living room. And, you know, I geeked out about it, and I really, really liked it. So, to me, I, I wanted this to be worth it for the little girl. I, I applaud you for fighting for that. But see, you, you shed some light on that because we've always, we've discussed it at length on air about how that works. So, I'm, I'm glad at least that you were able to kind of shed some light on it. So, if somebody complains or they come on air and complain, I'm like, look, blame marketing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much blind marketing because they usually come up with the stuff. I'm glad they even told me because hadn't they had they not brought it up? Because technically they didn't have to. Um, had they not brought it up, had they just decided to do it, which they they could have, I would have found out later on and been like very upset about it. Because my name is on there, so you you don't know that marketing is behind a lot of it. Nope. Um, you just know what's in the credits, and in the credits it says game producer, my name on it. So. Yeah, you kind of want to be, you want to stand behind your product, and I respect that. Yeah, totally. Even though, like I said, it's a kid's game, and it's for girls, um, but I, you know, I I love doing it, and I did my best to um, put something out there that I think little girls would like, so. Cool. All right, well, we have, uh, you've pretty much answered everything, so <laughs> um, before we wrap up, where can people keep up with your work and, you know, network with you, speak to you? Um, I actually do a lot of my, um, showcasing on Twitter. Okay. So, um, cause usually what, I mean, I used to do it on Facebook and Twitter, but what I decided to do is kind of leave Facebook for just my family. So I pretty much only have like my family and close friends on there. Um, but Twitter is pretty much where everyone can connect with me cause they can email me there. They can hit me up on the side. They can at me at any time. Um, and I'm always updating with new stuff that I've put out. So for example, I had tweeted recently about the TMNT comic and yep, that's where I saw it. I, I showcase everything I'm kind of proud of. I showcase, um, everything I'm upset about <laughs> in the industry. Um, all my quirky little stuff, it all goes up there. So that's actually the best way to contact me. Cause it's usually where I put a lot of my face time at. So awesome. All right. And cool. that, and, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, that would be at the Gamer Goddess, how it sounds, the Gamer Goddess. One cool. I will uh, I will put that in the interview notes. Um, well, beans. And um, I will make sure to get you the audio. So, May, thank you for taking us beyond the mic. I appreciate you taking the time for the interview. And thanks. No, that was so fun. Thank you so much.
You've just heard My Take Radio's Beyond the Mic with May Garcia. You can listen to live episodes of My Take Radio every Thursday at 11 p.m. East, 8 p.m. Pacific on the Blog Talk Radio Network by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash mytakeradio. You can also learn more about MTR by visiting our official site, mytakeradio.com, following us on Twitter at mytakeradio, adding us to your circle on Google+, and of course, becoming a fan on Facebook. Thanks for listening.